Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. I still hope people are dancing to the theme song because it is the funkiest podcast theme song ever. There could be a podcast about funk music, and it's not going to be as funky as this one. I'm sorry. Very excited to be with you this week and very excited to be sharing this episode with you because I adore Joe Firestone's comedy. She just, she makes me laugh so much and one of the things that I also love about her is that there's just nobody else like her doing what she's doing. I I think she is fantastic, so unique and this was a huge get for me personally. This is One of my favorite gets in the history of the There It Is podcast because I like her work so much that just to say that I interviewed her and had her on this podcast is a big, big deal for me. I can't wait until you hear this. I think she's fantastic. We we talk about a lot of things and some of it's even a little, you know, on the sadder side. But, um, you know, we get into it and it's great. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Joe Firestone. Joe, I'm so thankful that you're on the podcast. Thanks for making the time. We've been uh, talking about sure. this for a long time. I know. It was 27 emails I saw <laughs> today. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And, um, you've just been super busy. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> some, uh, yeah, sometimes it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but podcast interviews, they sometimes take the back seat to dumb life, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you were just on, you were on a couple of tours when we've talked, uh, uh, two or three of the times you were on the road. I think that I, well, I think that maybe you are um, lending me some cred that I don't quite deserve, because I think maybe I was on tour once, and then the other times I was just out of town. <laughs> but I guess we can call that tour. <laughs> I'm going to count it as such. In my okay. mind, that's what was going on. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but you, uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but let's start kind of at the beginning of how you got into comedy. I'm not positive on where you're from, though. Where are you originally from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. And wow. were you doing comedy at a young age, were you, you know, writing or... Uh, stand-up or sketch writing or anything uh, early on? When did that become a uh, part of your life? I think I would direct. I like to direct my friends in little plays like in the neighborhood. I like to take the neighbors and make them do plays and make the, my cousins do plays. And um, So I didn't really... I, I was kind of like... We didn't have cable, and I didn't really understand what sketch comedy was or stand I really didn't understand any of that. So I think I just liked the idea of putting on making stuff up and performing it and making other people perform it. Oh, so that was cool. kind of where it came from. Yeah. yeah. And so when you realized that it was a job, where where were you in life? Like, were you uh, a teenager and you realized, like, oh, this thing I've been doing with my cousins, that's something I can do for a living? No, uh, maybe when I was uh, maybe 20, I realized that it could you could do it for a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a, a credit, and then you're just like, yeah. no, don't give me that credit. I didn't learn well, it that young. I feel like I just didn't, I don't know where I was, but I guess I didn't really use the internet very much, and I <laughs> I guess my parents weren't interested in comedy, and so I, we just like never went to comedy shows or anything. Like, a lot of my friends who are comedians like knew about stand-up comedy um, much earlier. I, just, mm. I guess I just didn't grasp the concept <laughs> so you weren't watching comedy growing up no not really no i mean i watched like comedy shows like i watched um like the simpsons and 
Seinfeld and all that stuff. Yeah. But I never really watched stand-up comedy because I don't think it really was on. Like, if you were a kid and you had basic television, I guess you could stay up late and watch the late night shows. But I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only reason yeah. I found out about it was because we had Comedy Central. But yeah, that's a good. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. I was a night owl though, so. I, I guess I would have still seen it on uh, the late night shows, but um, yeah, because uh, I was just that kid. But <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty cool though. It sounds like you know when you realized at twenty or around twenty that it was something that you could make a living at or something that someone could have a job at. You had been doing it so much. How did the process go into actually getting into it for you? Well, I didn't. I hadn't actually been doing stand up. I, right. I was just, just kind of like, messing around. Yeah, but you know, yeah, that's so much of it. You know, like that to me. I mean, like I think it shows. I, I count it as part of your experience. You know, because you okay. were, you were, you know, still like writing stuff, and and I'm sure you're still sort of saying like, uh, oh, you know, you're basically casting it, and and directing yeah. people you know i mean that's still yeah. some experience yeah I mean, obviously it's not something you can work put on your resume <laughs> but it was at least something where when you started and maybe this isn't the experience you had but i imagine when you started you felt like you had done it before like it didn't feel like a whole new experience that you had to start from what do they call it uh from uh not ground zero. Square one. Yeah, you know you have to start. You yeah. didn't have to start yeah. from square ground one zero because you're kind of out now. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you didn't have to start from square one again because you had kind of been doing it. Is that what that experience right. was I, like when you started actually going for comedy? I guess so. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I did. I did a lot of plays in high school and stuff. So I think it was like it wasn't foreign the idea of getting on the stage and stuff. Mm. I mean, I think. Yeah, I was never like the lead in any plays or anything like that. But I, I think that I understood the concept of being in a play and kind of figuring out how to make people laugh from that. Yeah. So you were in college when you found out about doing it for work. Did you start with stand up or what, what were you doing? Well, I went to college and then I stopped going for a little bit and, uh, I think that's when I figured out I wanted to do comedy. And then I went back and tried to graduate as quickly as possible. And then, um, yeah, I started doing sketch comedy. And then when I came back, and I really liked it. And then I met this guy named Dylan Marin, and he was in my sketch comedy group. And we really liked each other. And we decided to write together. And we wrote this play that was uh, like a sketch comedy show. Mm -hmm. essentially and we kind of just uh like we kind of just went for it we like started a tour and we like um put it in these fringe festivals and we kind of just like threw ourselves into the comedy scene or the sketch scene in new york as much as we could without knowing really anybody and knowing that it was very much a community art form but Mm -hmm. yeah we we just kind of went for it in, in the ways we knew how to go for it that's really cool. Where were you when that started, when you were in that sketch group? Um, well, I was in, we were in, uh, we wrote this show when I was a senior and he was a junior. And then we kind of went from there and I didn't, I decided to put off, like I tried to get a job and it was 2009 and there were no, no one was getting jobs. And yeah. I just figured maybe I'll just go on tour and try to make money or break even. And mm-hmm. that might be more effective use of time and trying to get a job yeah yeah were you in missouri at that time yeah i went i moved back to missouri and then i did i got a job and then i worked and i got a couple jobs and saved up money and then because we were going to move to new york and so i had to save up some money did that move to new york happen when you're initially planned uh, it happened like a year. I spent a year in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, not so bad. And, uh, oh. yeah, did some comedy shows there and then moved to New York. Wow, that's great. 
And yeah, I think it's good to, I think people have a hard time when they start in New York. And so I'm glad that I started somewhere else. I think that's kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. And someone who was at New York at the time of telling me this said that was a good plan, you know, to uh, yeah. uh, get get the green off of you somewhere else. Um, that's not how she worded it. But that was essentially <laughs> what she was saying. Was, you know, just yeah. like getting your feet wet and really getting firmly on the ground before going to New York is a good idea. I've also heard the, yeah. the same for like going to L.A. Like it's I heard it's really rough to get your start in L.A. because it's just. It's a bunch of people who can sort of blackball you, for so to speak, if they think you're no good, which you're not going to be good when you start out. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be in front of people who hire people uh, when you're not good because then you can just right. be in their mind is no good. Uh, so, yeah, it was great. Yeah. That you started in Missouri before coming out to New York. When you moved to New York... Were you just doing sketch? Were you doing sketch and stand-up? What, how did that evolve? I was doing some sketch, and then uh, I decided to try to do improv, and I wasn't very good at that. And then I decided maybe stand-up is the answer. <laughs> Why did you then not I ended think up you were good at <laughs> Why did you think you weren't I'm good really, at improv? I'm very bad at improv. I'm, I wish I was better, but I'm really bad at it. How so? I mean, you. I've seen you do stand-up a few times, and I've seen you perform a, a few times uh, on television, and uh, I know how much you write, but, you know, it seems like you would be a good performer and, and quick-witted. No. <laughs> no, it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work so well. I abandon things very quickly. <laughs> I don't, uh, don't stand by them. I'm not good at being a character for much longer than 20 seconds i don't really understand how to make a scene and uh i usually if it's funny i'll just laugh so <laughs> it's i'm really bad at it <laughs> well that's hard for me to imagine but i will take your word for it i'm very bad at it <laughs> i mean you you acted so you knew you know you could be a character for more than 20 seconds i guess if it's not I, off the top of your i really head. don't think yeah i don't think so <laughs> i don't <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that is, um, it is pretty easy to just drop th- character traits, you know, like uh, my voice yeah. will change throughout a scene uh, a lot, I yeah. feel like. Um, it, was easy, it is easy to, uh, inadvertently even, you know, like not, not, you know, just bailing, but just kind of forgetting certain aspects right. of the character. It's like a, there's, you know, I think that maybe when I moved to New York, I had this dream of becoming really good at improv. Like I loved going to all these shows and mm-hmm. stuff. And, then, you know, sometimes dreams, they just don't, just, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You don't have to be, you know, nobody says you have to be good. The thing that, no, if you want to go in the comedy, the thing that you have to be good at is uh, making a living. And that you've done. I, yeah, I guess uh, it's hard to tell if, like, after a month it'll still be like that. It's really a month-to-month situation, but yeah. I guess for right now I'm, I'm, I have a job, so yeah. that's okay. <laughs> uh, before we get into the work you're doing now, I do want to hear how you got to that place. When did things start picking sure. up for you from a, a professional level? Because obviously you were going around hitting open mics, and, and I imagine... If you were writing sketches as well, you were trying to find places to house them. But when it got to be really bonafide, uh, professional, real deal sort of career stuff, when did uh, when did that happen, and when and how did that happen? Well, I uh, I started putting on these shows because I I really also didn't really click with stand up right away, and so I started putting on these kind of high concept shows or not high concept, just concept shows mm-hmm. where it was like. Um, like a pun competition or a inner beauty pageant or like a doll stand-up club or like I, I put on a bunch of these like a uh, like a scary stories in the dark like I had all these different mm-hmm. concepts of mm-hmm. shows that I like to put on like these everything had this theme and like all this production to it and it was like a whole thing and then um my friend Josh Sharp was like, you should, um, he, he was like, he told Chris Gethard, he was like, you should, you guys would have a lot in common. 
And because um, Gethard also liked putting on those big theme shows and yeah. concept shows. Oh, and yeah. so then Gethard and I met for lunch and we hit it off. And he, uh, maybe a couple months later, he asked me to be, he like got the Chris Gethard show on Fusion. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to be a writer. So that was like a, that was kind of like the biggest, that was a really big deal for me. That's was great. Like my first, yeah. I'm- I'm surprised that I actually didn't know that about you, and and that, that does seem like a really good pairing of comedic minds. I was, you know, more familiar with your stand-up work and your Tonight Show work, um, yes. but didn't realize that you had also written at, at Gethard. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool experience. I did that for two seasons, and then then I kind of. Um, what happened next? Something happened next that I couldn't go back for a third season. Something happened. <laughs> yeah, something picked up, you know. Uh, yeah. You, you do a lot of things. That show was doing a lot of, uh, you know, like, outside-of-the-box thinking. Um, yeah. For, for lack of a, a better term. The I don't trademark. Say, yeah. yeah, I don't want to say crazy stuff, but because uh, it's yeah. just, it's all fun. And, um, Still TV. Yeah. Um, and then the shows that you're doing, I've heard about uh, that I haven't, you know, like like the the stage productions you, you've done um, that are similar in style, like some shows that you've hosted and put on. I, how do you come up with those kind of ideas? You know, like um, Punderdome Three Thousand or, or things like that. Well, I mean, I think that what happens is I come up with an idea, and then I think it'll be like this. It's like immediately I'm like, that's a great idea. What what a great idea. <laughs> and then I start to pursue in making it. And then I realize like maybe two steps too late that it's not a good idea. But then I got to go through with it anyway. And that's pretty much what happens every idea I've had. So there's not this conscious effort to do something, you know, like wild or, or something no one's ever seen before per se. I mean, I'm, everyone's no. thinking... <laughs> somewhat to that degree of like, oh, I don't want to do something that everyone's doing. But that's just naturally, it's just what naturally is coming out of you, these ideas. Well, I feel like if anybody were to come up with like a concept show, it's going to be probably a little different than, I mean, it'll probably have some originality to it. I don't think any of my shows are like that original. I don't think it it works like that. But uh, (laughs) like, I think that um, if you have... The thing about New York is, like, if you have a weird idea and you and you have the wherewithal to actually pursue it and put it on, then, you know, chances are somebody's going to go, you know, some, some there's, like, one to three people that are going to be like, okay. Like, I, I remember I had this idea to do improvised Willy Wonka, and mm-hmm. that was a horrible idea. It was really horrible, and I roped like eight people into being all the different children and Willy Wonka and Loompa Loompas and they got costumes and only Uh one person showed up. It was so bad. One of the eight that you signed up to do it? No, the performer showed up. One audience member showed up. up. Oh, goodness. So so what do you do? You only can do one thing, which is to turn it into a photo shoot. (laughs) And then go out for dinner. Yeah, with that one audience yeah. member. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you take them with you. You gotta be respectful of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's one of the things you gotta swing for the fences, I suppose. You yep. know, and and uh, yeah, that's gotta that's gotta be rough when it doesn't work, though. Especially when you really like the idea. Yeah. Usually, by that point, I don't like the idea, so <laughs> it's not too heartbreaking. <laughs> Just because you've had to develop it for so long or sit with it for so long, you don't like it? Well, by the time you start promoting something, you're like, why am I promoting this? Why would people come to this? This is a, mm. this is an idea I thought of in two minutes. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Nobody should come to this. This is bad. And then by the time I put it on, I've kind of told myself this is a bad idea and then it ends up being pretty bad so i think oh. that i think i gotta re reorganize the um i think it would be better if you like had an idea where you're like that's an okay idea and then you worked on it until you thought it was a great idea and then by the time you did the show you're like this is the best idea uh-huh. i think that would be a cool way it, to do it. it would be 
Do you yeah. have that experience with stand-up where, you know, by the time you're doing the show, you're like, oh, I don't like this material anymore? Yes. Mm. Yes, constantly. What do you do to sort of overcome that or, or uh, manage those feelings? Oh, I think that, I don't know, I think that maybe people go through waves, or I go through waves with stand-up where I'm like, I don't like this, and I'm not very good at this, and I don't know why I keep doing this. But then, like, you'll have, like, a show that you said yes to two months ago, and you're like, well, I guess I should go do this. yeah. Yeah. Like, I was just, I keep, I think about this thing all the time where, like, I was doing this show at at Legion Bar, rest in peace, Mm -hmm. Legion Bar, Mm -hmm. and it was like, there were six people in the audience, like, nobody wanted to be there, it was raining, and we were waiting for all the comics to show up, and uh, the host got a text from someone who was like, sorry, I'm sorry, I was running late, and I quit comedy. Oh, gosh. One of the comics decided to text, that's, you just quit comedy, that's the text? <laughs> the day of? Yeah. 20 minutes into the show, this guy quits comedy. I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised to hear of that, but that is... No, anybody could do it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I deal with... And I don't want to be presumptive and assume that this is uh, an insecurity issue, but allow me to talk about my insecurity. Uh, Sure. (laughs) But I do struggle with that especially um now you know i'm in new york there are all these amazing performers around me and um you know i'm just seeing how many more years they've been at it here you know with the the grind and you know i just wonder did i get here too late am i really gonna get as strong as somebody should be as you know what's in my mind is should be Uh, but you know it sounds like a lot of people are dealing with insecurity, even successful people. Yeah, I think that a lot of people feel like, did I get here too early? Did I get here too late? I mean, it's such a weird guessing game because also tomorrow you could be offered a job and you could be like, what? Yeah. I guess I'm successful and everything I did was right. <laughs> or you could be like, or you could have that job for six months and then have no job for three years and be like, I have done everything wrong. You know, mm. there's like, it's just a weird industry where you really don't, you can just try. The only thing that you can really do is like try your best at every show, but some shows are just going to be bad. And then you, mm-hmm. you just got to kind of accept it. Yeah. Uh, having a bad show, I've learned to accept because I've had experience. <laughs> right. I've had enough experience with a bad show to <laughs> to learn how to manage those feelings. But I do think it gets easy to say, "Oh, I just I don't like what I'm writing here. I don't like what I'm I don't like what my output is." Are there stages where you don't feel that way? Mm, I don't know. I, I think that like yeah, I'm sure there are. I I'm I think I've been going through like a little bit of a uh like um with uh, like not, I mean, I haven't been writing much at all mm-hmm. for the last mm, who, maybe year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and when I do write, it's it's pretty awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you I, not like writing that, the writing process, or do you mean um, the material is pretty awful? The material is pretty awful. I, I mean, I uh, to not go in. I, I don't really need to go into it too much, but I had like a. I've been, uh, I had a big loss this year. And so like, Mm. I've been kind of trying to figure out how to handle grief and also while doing comedy and it's, it Mm. hasn't proven to be super easy and I still am trying to figure it out. And it's, it is a strange, um, it's a strange profession. It's, it's like a strange profession no matter what, but then when actual bad stuff happens, it, it, it is unreal how bizarre it can get. I I see what you mean because uh, I, I've not had tremendous loss while trying to do material, but you know I have gone through depression or or, or at least being down and um, yeah. and and stressed, and that's really distracting. Like how do you be yeah. how do you be funny 
when you're stressed about where life is heading. Existential issues can can make it really tough to know how to keep moving forward with any job, but one where it takes your focus, you know, you need to be focused to sit down and write. And then you're also supposed to be writing funny stuff, but you don't feel funny or you don't feel like you're not in a good enough mood to make jokes. Right. And and you sounds like you're still um, figuring out that. How to get through yeah. that. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I think that um yeah, I I think that I, the the joy I used to get from comedy is not it it has proven to be more of a superficial joy. And I think I've found more joy in other when I have found joy in this period, it has been from other sources and not comedy. So it's kind of an interesting field to be in. Yeah, especially when you have to write a lot. Right, yeah, yeah, that's a weird thing. <laughs> I think that's why, that's kind of why I quit The Tonight Show, because I was like, this is, this feels insane. Yeah. Because you're mean, writing, of, you have yeah. to write, like, it's crazy how much you have to write there. If you, mm-hmm. like, I think you probably write 100 jokes a day. If, if yeah. at minimum. I do want to know about what that writing process was like for you. I was also wondering, you were talking about uh, this past year, and I've seen you perform a couple of times over the last year and a half. And, you know, I never would have thought watching you perform, uh, and they were both stand-up shows, uh, well, I've seen you on The Tonight Show, but outside of The Tonight Show, I've seen you perform live twice. And, you know, I just wouldn't have thought, huh, this is, seems like she's still working on stuff. You know, it, it was just all so fun and funny and um, a joy to watch. So I'm really surprised oh, that's that that's nice. what you're going through. Well, I think that it may be, uh, I think that that's like why, like a lot of younger comics were like really want to get jobs and like they really want to get famous. And I think even I've been doing it for, I think, oh God, I think like 10 years now I've been doing it, like 12, maybe 11. And like, it that's not that long, but it is, it is a chunk of time and even now I still like I feel kind of disconnected from what I actually think is like what I talk about on stage is very different from mm-hmm. what I actually think and I think it's like mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, I don't know maybe it is easier for younger comics because it's like with Instagram and social media it's easier to just like put stuff out there right away that's like close to what your actual thoughts are mm-hmm. but for me, it's been a big, steep learning curve of trying to figure out how to align what I actually think with what I'm actually saying on stage. Yeah, I mean, that's that also seems to be one of the challenges in comedy of, of when you start really right. getting into the real stuff. Like, there is the, like, oh, here's something silly I want to say that I think is funny right. that has nothing to do with anything. But then when when, you know, we all have thoughts that are... Um, you know, come from a more thoughtful place. Um, and they're not necessarily funny. They're just, I, you know, like uh, conversations we're having or something we are processing. And trying to make that funny is, I would say, the ultimate goal. I mean, some of the best comics, um, especially of recent years, were are people who are doing that. You know, they're, they're taking right. something thoughtful and then finding a way to make comedy out of it and make people laugh really hard and um i think it's doubly hard when the things that you're processing are sad you know like or 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 tough because you know if you're writing music you have that you have that leeway to be sad but you know how do you write sad jokes yeah how do you not get that awe sound and more of the haha yeah -hmm. Yeah, exactly i don't know yeah i mean that's that's the tough thing yeah you uh, mentioned writing for The Tonight Show. I loved seeing you on The Tonight Show. I thought you were so fun. Oh, thanks. So funny. Thanks. You know, uh, the different characters you did. And um, what was the bit you did? So you did a few bits where you were like Betsy DeVos. Yeah. But you also did something where you weren't playing a character. You were just yourself. It was like a cooking segment you were doing with, uh, was it Amy Sedaris? Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, it was like a toy. I did this toy demo thing a few times as myself, and then one time I did it with Amy Sedaris. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing those moments on there, too. And um, I did hear you in a previous interview, actually, with the Magnet Theater. With the, You were talking with Lewis Kornfeld about writing and how much writing is, and you mentioned it a few minutes ago, how much writing has to get done at a, a show like The Tonight Show. And you mentioned in the podcast... You, it's, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was almost like, you know, having to learn how to kick it into high gear, like be a machine and, and be a, like a joke machine, essentially. You got, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was something to the effect of if someone wants to write for a show like that, they have to know how to get into that zone where they are, are bringing out ideas. Well, it, it, the lucky thing about that is that you don't even have to get into the zone. You will be forced into the zone <laughs> by your superiors, and then you just have to do it or you'll get fired. Like, <laughs> it really is like you you have little choice in the matter. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, well, if you have determination, you like you just have to, if you want to keep your job, you just have to keep going. Right, That right. There's so many shows now. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many talk shows and people are writing on them and it's I don't think there are enough people who can uh who who that sort of writing is suited for. Just like writing that much. Like you have to churn out so much. Um and I think I think any comic such as yourself can do it. Um but, you know, I think it it, it can also be easy to hit a limit. Um, I've either even Peter Gross, you know, he's worked on Colbert show and late show as well and late night. And he was talking about just like, it's so much work. It's so many late hours. It's a job that takes so much writing. When you were there, were you writing bits for all the different segments or were you just doing the sort of bits that we saw you do or, or were you also doing monologue jokes? Well, at the, I don't know how it is at other shows, but at the Tonight Show, at least there's like two different groups of writers. There's the monologue writers and there's the sketch writers and the sketch writers kind of do everything that isn't the monologue, including uh, little bits. You can, the, the sketch writers do bits in the monologue, mm-hmm. but also they do like the care, the, all the guest bits. And um, like if there's an act to comedy, like a desk bit, those mm-hmm. it's kind of overlapping now. Like the, the responsibilities of all the writers are kind of overlapping more now these days, but yeah, basically you get hired as one or the other. And then if you're a monologue writer, you basically just write monologue jokes until we air or mm-hmm. until we tape. And if you're a sketch writer, you kind of have to just keep coming up with bits for celebrities and bits for the desk. And then also just sketches and videos and kind of all kinds of different things. So it's, and then also the sketch team is responsible for like producing the bits. That's not at every job but that's at the tonight show so like you have to learn how to um talk to the different departments and like mm-hmm. figure out what you want and kind of or- organize as much as you do right mm. that sounds a little bit like how they approach it at saturday night live because if you write a yeah sketch you, i think so yeah, yeah. You're basically producing and directing it and, and right. so you have yeah. to cast it and you have to you have to do all the ins and out you're not just writing it um yeah, yeah that's a lot that's a lot joe yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot, but it's also, like, that place in particular, the Tonight Show, is, like, there's, like, you know, I think people have their opinions about it, but it is, like, truly the nicest people work there. It's, like, such good people, and so, like, it's really cool to see that many people that are, like, really talented in their fields and work with those people and, like, kind of get to know how one of those shows is run with those kinds of people with like, like really kind people it's like a real nice way to do it oh that's nice that's really nice to hear because i i really do love that show a lot just in general and i i kind of stand everybody there so it's nice to to hear that there are a bunch of nice people working there it yeah is, they're real nice people it is a real grind also additionally because it's the tonight show it, it just sounds like a lot of right. the, like all of the shows are a grind but there's probably some added pressure on the 11:30 shows on the major networks. Well, I think there's, uh, I think there's five, and some shows just do four, and so that's something. And also, oh, okay. like, they don't 
do any show, like every show has like a major, at least two major bits, which is yeah. just crazy production wise. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what you got to do. You know, you got to stay fresh, stay yeah. cool. I don't know how people do it on almost any level from just like a writing it level, like as you were saying, because there's so much <laughs> uh, writing that has to get done, but then also just um, staying fresh so often and not not getting drained yeah i mean you don't have they to give go you into, some oh, hiatuses so that's good. yeah that's true yeah yeah uh, you don't have to go into it too much i mean you mentioned it before about just like how much writing it was and that was why you quit um can you walk us through how how that was like like um well writing I think so it was much just, it wasn't the like the quantity of writing that hmm. I, I think it was just kind of like um it was, I think it was, I think I could have done it if it, the grief kind of uh, made me, my tolerance for everything I see. kind of down to nothing. And like, mm-hmm. there was one point where I was, um, like, I, I'm not a very confrontational person and I don't like to get, I don't get really worked up about comedy that much. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really... I'm not very emotional when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just I'm emotional about other stuff, but I was um, just to give you a context for this. And, but there was, um, I got into an argument with a coworker about which dance move was funnier <laughs> of two dance moves. And I was getting furious about this argument. Mm-hmm. And I realized like that at that moment, I was like, I have to leave this job because I just, it was putting, I was putting this emotional, uh, like, emphasis on it that it just, it was completely displaced. And it was like, it was just not, uh, like, uh, like I knew it was like, I was not going to be a very good contributor to that hmm. show. I, and I just like, I knew that it was not doing good stuff for me. I, um, I I chuckled a little bit there, and I'm sorry because I know you were going through. No, no, it is. That, but. It's so stupid. It was so stupid. I couldn't believe. It. I'm still upset that I got upset about it. I I've but you know you're not alone because there I've heard stories about you know even like um, well I won't name the show but another big show and this was like old this was years ago like ten years ago but there were like people fighting and arguing about. Um, and it was like really heated fights about just like comedy stuff, you know, like yeah. basic things. Like that's a very common thing. But I do, I am curious what the two dance moves were. <laughs> I think one, uh, truly, it was like the, oh, that, it was the same dance move. It was, but one of them ended with hands up <laughs> and one of them ended with hands clapped. And I remember thinking this was so important and I, I knew as I was arguing it and as like my face was getting red and I was like getting hyped up that like this was a bad choice to get upset about. Oh. But, uh, I yeah. can't even picture it, you know? It um, was really stupid. It was really stupid. <laughs> I mean, I can picture the dance move. I, yeah. Neither I, one, truth truth be told, neither one that funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but also like I don't know just that just seems like something that could have been on like I don't know Larry Sanders show or so I kind yes. of oh, it kind completely. of was on Larry Sanders show with the coconut yeah. you know like what's funny or coconut right. or chicken um <laughs> but uh you know I but I can't it's I I mean I don't know you well but I I don't know you We've spoken in person before, um, right? You know, you you are pretty low key. You know, I, it's it is hard to imagine you uh, getting turning red, getting angry. Yeah, yeah. It was very. It felt very bad. It mm. felt like when you like you enter the wrong house. You're like, this is not my house. I what am I? Am I a crime? Yeah, a crime. Yeah. You know, I'm glad though. Um, that you still, it still sounds like you, basic based on the people, like you, you still had a good experience there. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, I definitely did. I I feel like 
I got to do some really cool stuff there that I yeah. would never have dreamed of doing. Like those character bits were that was so cool. And like <laughs> they let me just make up stuff on live television. Like it wasn't a lot of that wasn't scripted and they just let me go, go for it. Yeah. Which was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love those moments too. Um I mean, you it's hard to tell from my end which was written and which was um unscripted you can only sort of get that there was something that was unscripted because of the way jimmy responds uh sometimes mm. like whether he's laughing or just like riffing um mm-hmm. uh especially when he like repeats it and seems like he's needling i think there was some moment where he he sort of like stopped for a second to sort of tease you about something that maybe even went wrong but <laughs> um you know those are fun moments to watch yeah, yeah, I think so. He's uh, yeah, he's um, he's like really good at just doing that kind of thing. I make maybe that's because of SNL, and he's like just mm-hmm. good at picking up on like how he's just good with sketches and stuff. Yeah, and, he's he's yeah. quicker than people realize. I think. Um, yeah, he's pretty quick. Yeah, Steve Higgins super quick as well. Yeah. Um, Yes, definitely. Yeah, but that's a, a dream job sort of place, and a lot of people have, um, you know, just like they say, never meet your heroes. Like, you know, getting a dream job can be a disaster as well, or, or a very disappointing experience as well. So, you know, I'm glad it wasn't that, you know, uh, for you, because um, you have this innate thing about you where I think people just automatically. Uh, want you to be happy and 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 doing well (laughs) interesting okay i I never heard that before really i mean here's why i say it for two reasons one is because you know you you do have this like uh sweet demeanor low-key demeanor about you um but also i was uh at a a friend's get together and someone else who was at the party was just like near me when I was telling someone like, oh, you know who's really funny? I was talking to his friend about com- comics that we like. And I was like, you know who's really funny is Joe Firestone. And then somebody else uh, said like, oh, she knows Joe really well. And then I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, Joe's really sweet. And, you know, just I don't know. she didn't say a whole lot. She just said you're really nice and uh, that you're a lot of fun. And, and she seemed to just That's adore fun. you. She seemed to really adore oh. you and want good things for you. I could just tell, like, in the tone of her voice that she just treasures you. That's very sweet. Who was it? It was a former roommate of yours. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, like, Small uh, world. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are winding down to the end of the episode here. And uh, okay. I feel like there's tons that we can talk about, but, you know, time is limited. And um, I feel like there's plenty I can learn from you on, we've, we've, kind of talked about different things we didn't necessarily go through one particular process of uh writing or anything but um i do want to create something with you and maybe that's just uh maybe a process for uh sitting down to write i mean granted uh if someone does have the pressure you had of your bosses firing you if you don't (laughs) write a bunch of jokes then uh there is that but when you do sit down, uh, maybe even at the Tonight Show when you were sitting down to write, were there any sort of tricks to the trade to get you uh, uh, get the creative juices flowing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one. So whenever um, you have to write thank you notes, which is like a segment mm-hmm. on the show where you like it's like a setup punchline, like thank you you know, I'm not, I can't even think of one now, but, uh, basically what would happen is you'd be writing, you'd be sitting at a computer all day and you can't really do thank you notes about, you know, keyboards or mouse pads or whatever, because those have already been done by other writers who have been staring at their computers all day. So what I like to do is go to this random object generator.com. Oh, wow. And it would generate these different objects for you, and you could look at different objects and be like, oh, what is that? What's a joke about that? And that was a nice way to be like, and even if you're like just working on stand-up, and you're like, I don't want to, I don't have anything for my life I want to talk about. I don't have any opinions. I don't want to talk about the news or whatever. You could just go on Random Object Generator, and you could uh, like think about jokes about random objects, and then maybe come up with something from there. 
Wow. Yeah. I've so uh, being a fan of the show, I, I'm very familiar with uh, with the bit with with thank you notes, and I've I have wondered sometimes like how do they keep coming up with ideas? Because I'm not super great at setup punchline. Um, well, I think that you would be. I think anybody can do it as mm-hmm. long as you just like if you figure out like what something looks like or what something. Mm. is is like what something reminds you of or like usually what you think something looks like or reminds you of is not that far up from what other people think it reminds them of and right. and then it's a joke mm-hmm. you know if you can frame it in a way that's like sounds like a joke it's pretty much it it can be a joke you know if it, you know deliver it the right way it's a joke mm-hmm. if so how was there a, some sort of way of knowing if a joke had already been, or at least a topic had already been covered before in, in thinking of Yes, notes? yeah, yeah. D- do they just have a list? like a? Yeah, they got records of that stuff, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, you'd have to, but, oh, wow. That's a lot of jokes. Yeah, that's a lot of jokes. Oh, wow. Well, is it really just like randomgenerator.com? Yeah, I really like that one. I haven't <laughs> used it in a while because I haven't been having, I haven't had to write Thing, you know, it's a long time, but I think that's what it what it was. Yeah, I'm I'm searching it right now. You can refresh and get six new objects. It's pretty good. Uh, it might be randomobjectgenerator.com. Because I I just have to see this site. Pretty fun, pretty fun site. <laughs> okay, generate a list of things. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. I went, it's randomlists.com slash things. Oh, that's it, that's it. And uh, there are six things here. There's a cell phone, number one. Number two is a bottle, just a brown beer bottle, but it has no label. (laughs) Number three (laughs) are leg warmers. But, Mm. so it's... When's the last time you thought of those? (laughs) So, (laughs) that's definitely the one jumping out at me, because the picture is... Um, someone in like very high heels, uh, silver high heels, very shiny silver high heels with, um, red leg warmers. Um, and, uh, they're, you know, all scrunched up and, um, and then there's a mirror, like a a mirror to like a, a handheld mirror, uh, a television flat screen, and then an eraser, um, Mm. So if we were going to do one on leg warmers, you would just first probably just observe what they look like. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you would also think about the function of them. Like maybe if you've used leg warmers before, you could think like they don't really work. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, you could do that. Maybe you could be like uh, something about how it's like what's left over when people make shorts. <laughs> so you could say thank you, leg warmers, for being what's left over when people make shorts. Yeah, yeah, that's something. That, I think that could. I mean, it might not get in, but you could definitely submit it. <laughs> um, let's see. What I'm trying to think. What it looks like. It looks to me. Well, it like, kind of looks. Yeah. What does it look like? It looks like if the way it's scrunched up. Um, what yeah. are those like scrunchy looking dogs? Not bulldogs, oh. but they, that that sort of scrunchy skin. Sharpe. Sharpe is like that, but if it was a Muppet. Yeah, yeah, Muppet Sharpe for sure. Muppet, yeah, I like that. Okay, I was so. also thinking that maybe it looks like a, like a Sock's older cousin that smokes. <laughs> I like that one too, because <laughs> they are like the cool Sacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Oh my gosh. Um, They've been places. (laughs) So then uh, you would probably just come up with, did you come up with a few for each or would you just come up for one Mm. for each? I mean, if they were really good, you could submit a couple for one thing, but uh, Well, I just mean like writing, like, oh yeah, I was figuring submitting one, but like maybe you wrote three. Did you ever like write a few and then like submitted the best one? Yeah, sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes, like, I'd say something to my coworker. I'd be like, what, what do you think? Is this funny? And they'd be like, what about this? And they'd punch it up, and then I'd punch mm-hmm. it up again. I'd be like, oh, what about this? Oh, so sometimes it helps yeah. to, like, bounce something. Because, like, probably what we 
having just saying it out loud to each other right then yeah. was probably made better jokes than it would have been if we just wrote those down. Right. Or sometimes, I guess, maybe if you said, hey, is this funny, they might say, well, it's not arms up in the air funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's clap funny. <laughs> it's more clap funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, there it is, Joe. I appreciate you being yeah. on. I've been Thanks, so Jason. thrilled with you being on. Like, it was really, like, a real treat. Well, it was nice. To, thanks for asking me. Of course. You're awesome. You're awesome. She's awesome. I I just want to stress that she is the awesome one. Um, very sweet of her to say that I'm awesome. But we all know she is the awesome one. I'm very, very thankful for her time and her being open and, and honest with us, you know, that she was going, she's gone through grief and then talking about that and talking about creating comedy while going through grief. I think that is more common than maybe people realize. And I think it's a useful thing to talk about so people can learn how to deal with it themselves. I hope you're doing well out there. But if you are going through a tough time, that's okay. And you can still create and you can still practice self-care and be there for yourself. And I think part of that practicing of self-care is just being honest about the fact that you are going through grief, as Joe was demonstrating. If you want to check out more stuff of hers, you can go to joefirestone.com. If you're in New York, you can see shows of hers. She is really, really so interesting and funny, just so funny. And I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff online as well that you can check out. Of course, all of these links are in the bio. You can also check us out online, thereitispod.com, and at thereitispod on Twitter and Facebook. Got a really great discussion to share with you next week. And I'm uh, just so many awesome people are coming up uh, throughout the rest of 2018. We are at the end of the year. I cannot believe it. But it's going to be a great end of the year. The plan is to keep giving you episodes over the holidays since we had such a long break. And I want to hear your feedback. So definitely hit us up online and let us know. Well, folks, until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 